the month of May is Mental Health Awareness Month. And this month, we're taking a particular interest in talking about different mental health aspects and topics of importance. Uh, it's important to us both personally and in our community to talk about an issue that sometimes we don't like to discuss. So today we're going to talk a little bit about mental health. We're going to touch on the topic of depression. And we're going to talk about how depression can affect us, even if we don't think that is affecting us. Signs, things to look for in other people, and more importantly, what do you do if you need help? So today we're going to talk just a little bit about depression. And once again, if you're ever having a mental health crisis or you're in need, please reach out and talk to someone. We'll provide this information at the end of this podcast. So once again, let's have a talk a little bit about mental health, about depression, and what we can do to make a difference. Hello, everyone. I'd like to welcome you to our Association of Tennessee Alpha Men series on mental health. Uh, this month during May, uh, which is Mental Health Awareness Month, and so we are truly studying and observing this month by focusing on uh, different tops, uh, different topics of, of interest as it relates to mental health. And so today we have another special guest with us, and her name is Dr. Julie Hall. Uh, she is uh, out of the great state of Ohio. And so today she will be joining us uh, to talk a little bit about uh, depression and why is this so important. Her background and experience uh, from talking with her is extensive, um, from her degrees, extensive. And so she will come to us today with a depth of knowledge. Uh, she and I are actually fellow graduates um, of Walden University, uh, which is also so great to reach back into our family uh, to see how we can better serve our community. And so without further ado, um, I'm just going to turn this over to Dr. Julie Hall, who specializes in criminal behavior, public policy, sociology, psychology. She is a well-rounded individual and will today share with some of that experience with us uh, today. So Dr. Hall, thank you uh, for joining us. Thank you so much for the introduction. Um, I'll get right into the questions um, that we talked about. Um, uh, so, like looking at what depression is, um, it's it's a mood disorder. Um, some of the symptoms that you can feel, like when we're talking about depression, um, are sad, maybe loss of interest in normal everyday activities, um, and maybe and you know like activities that bring joy. You know, like if you like to go for a walk and now you don't want to be outside anymore. You know, um, parts of depression can make you feel like not not living anymore. Um, affects how you feel, think, and behave. Um, it can be noticed by other people that you're around all the time that maybe you're acting differently. Um, and, you know, when we're treating depression, um, it's important to focus on the symptoms because everybody's symptoms, thoughts, feelings when you're depressed are all different. Um, for example, like if an individual is having negative thoughts about themselves, um, you know, helping them replace those with positive thoughts. Um, you know, seeing a, a therapist or a psychiatrist is an option. Um, and, you know, when you're doing psychotherapy, 
Um, you know, you can work to develop, you know, develop like positive coping skills. Um, Medication is also an option. Um, if the medical professional identifies that maybe there's a chemical imbalance um, in the brain, which a lot of people with depression do have, um, it will take the help take the edge off while you are working in psychotherapy. Um, if you can identify that you have some depressive symptoms, um, 75% of people with depression go untreated. Um, that can be in, they don't believe that they really are depressed. Um, or maybe they don't know the signs and symptoms of what to look for, or no one has like maybe called them out on that, right? Like that they, um, are acting differently. Um, depression can be treated without medication. Um, there are a lot of people that, um, say, no, 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 I'm not taking the medication. Um, there are some things that you can do. So, um, getting sleep, like sleep is very important. Um, but that can be also interacted with like depression can people would want to sleep more. So uh, setting a schedule, like doing things that you like, getting vitamin D out in the sun, going for a walk, um, going to bed at the same time and waking up at the same time um, and will kind of give you a purpose. Um, and being outside and getting fresh air um, kind of gives you that dopamine rush that you need um, to make your body want to relax and go to sleep instead of just sitting around and doing nothing, then it's hard to go to sleep at night. Um, cutting back on caffeine, um, if you feel like you're having depressive symptoms and medication's not an option, um, having a good cup of coffee in the morning, um, you know, everybody kind of needs that or some tea or something, but um, cutting back throughout the day will help you stay on that schedule of going to sleep when you are telling your body that you want to. Um, changing your diet, cutting back on alcohol, um, if that's something that you partake in, um, you know, you're eating fatty fried foods um, that doesn't sit well on your stomach, which makes it hard for you to digest that and hard to go to sleep. Um, changing things in your social life, like if there's something that you want to do, um, then, you know, like trying to get like out of your comfort zone a little bit um, may help some depressive symptoms. Um, and building a good support group, having a good friend group, people that you can trust, um, you can rely on, um, or just going to a support group for something that you feel like you want, need more support in, and you don't want to talk to your friends or your family about. Um, we can tra track depression um, all the way back to the Bible. Um, depression was not specified, didn't have a name back in the biblical days. Um, but people that were alive during that time, um, if reading the Bible is something that you do, um, you can definitely see that some of their actions um, were depressive symptoms. Um, uh, when we talk about how depression manifests in women versus men, it's very different. Um, men tend to be more angry, more aggressive. They don't wanna talk about their feelings. Um, and Maybe they don't identify that that's why they're feeling that way. Um, and women tend to withdraw, um, feel hopeless and worthless, but maybe not talk about it as much. Um, women like to internalize things, um, being the role of a mother and a caregiver um, that can make them just focus on their everyday routine and not take care of themselves. Um,
the top three symptoms of depression can vary uh, with person to person. Um, so like the top three that I was thinking of um, in terms of symptoms would be like sleep habits, whether it's sleeping more, sleeping less, um, maybe taking a nap when you don't normally take a nap during the day, um, having a hard time going to sleep, staying asleep, raising thoughts throughout the night, um, uh, having more thoughts or statements of worthlessness or feeling guilty about things that are a normal day-to-day -day thing for you. Um, you know, I've had experience with people who feel guilty about just taking a long shower. You know, like showering is a everyday hygiene thing and like, oh, I don't have time for that or um, it doesn't matter what I look like. Um, and a loss of interest in activities. So when women are get depressed and they have a family or they're in a caregiver role, they tend to just go with the flow, right? Like they, they go with the flow of their day to get through the day, um, not doing things that are exciting to them. Um, such as like, if they like art or they like to go for a walk or they like to read a book or do things, they may not be doing those things anymore. They're just going through the steps of emotion of the day to take care of everyone else and not take care of themselves. Um, when we think about suicide with depression and thinking about people that are depressed um, and thinking that suicide is just the answer, um, most people that commit suicide don't want to die. Um, most of the time when someone commits suicide, the thought has been there. Um, they've thought of the process, the way they're going to do it. They've planned it out, but their intention wasn't to die. They may have given symptoms or signs to people um, that they were planning suicide, um, but nobody picked up on those symptoms. And then it was like, okay, I'm going to get this gun and I'm going to shoot myself because I don't um, feel worth, worth being here anymore. And maybe it was a plan, but it was more to get that attention of I need help. And then the gun goes off. Um, so we've discussed that um, many people with depression see themselves as a burden, hopeless. Um, they believe dying was the only way um, to make everyone not have to deal with them anymore. Uh, people with depression think that they're a burden on people. Like, why do I have, why, I don't need to go see my friend. I don't need to go out to eat with them. I'm just a burden to be there. Um, and so they think that suicide is the way and the answer. Um, to their problems. Um, when we recognize that someone's in trouble and could commit suicide with depression, it's very important um, to talk to them more, to, if they're an adult, um, to call them out and say, look, I see that this is happening to you and it's a very big change from what you've normally done. Um, I wanna make sure you're okay. Um, if we're working with children, um, you, you may not be able to be that direct um, children are more spontaneous, um, don't think things through before they do it. Um, so a suicide attempt may be more imminent, whereas an adult, um, you know, you, there's ways like more communication ways that you can get to them and say like, look, I see you, I hear you. I'm going to check on, on you multiple times a day. Having an intervention, you know, bringing together people that love this person or care about this person. Um, and saying, look, we know what you're trying to do and we don't want you to do that. 
if it gets to a point where it's an imminent danger, um, calling law enforcement. Um, I don't know if it's a universal term, but in Ohio, we call it pink slipping. It's a 72 hour hold um, that law enforcement can do if they feel that a person is a danger to themselves or others. Um, or like if you can talk a person into just going to the ER to get an inpatient psych eval or uh, spending some time in the hospital if it's you know that severe to try to save their life. Um, intervening uh, when someone's in trouble to continue that conversation. Um, you have to recognize the symptoms of people if they're you know increasing in use of alcohol or drugs. Um, maybe that's not something that they do. Um, if they are making plans, if they die um, for their children or their pets or their belongings, um, if they're giving things away um, that they normally wouldn't give away. Um, I know as an adult, some, I mean, I have three best friends. Um, we all work together. We call it a well-oiled crazy machine with all of our children and everything. Um, and we share a lot of things and we give things to people when they need them. Um, but if one of my friends decided that now they are, oh, I don't need this blanket anymore that I love. Um, I now don't need all of the food that I have in my house. I'm just going to give it to you. Um, maybe their favorite books. I'm going to now give that to you. Like that would be a red flag. Um, that would make me or anyone maybe want to seek more help for that person or ask more questions. Um, I don't have anything else more to discuss unless you want to discuss something else. Well, let me ask you this one question. And I know that you mentioned uh, police and hospital type of interventions. You know, when we see people that, you know, necessarily people won't say, yeah, I want to go to the hospital and, and check myself in or to do those inpatient types of psych evaluations. What about other places or what other types of avenues might be available for people if they need that type of assistance? If you're looking at children, um, I know in this area, I don't know, again, really much outside of this area, um, we do have some inpatient like residential treatment where it's not in a hospital. It's um, like we have one in town that's a residential unit that's attached to a mental health agency. Um, so it would be like, oh, my kid is in crisis. Maybe they want to commit suicide or they have very you know, overly depressive symptoms. Um, and the parent chooses to take this child to the agency to get assessed. Um, and then that therapist would say, look, you know, like, I don't think this kid needs to go to the hospital. We do have some inpatient um, adolescent um, hospitals uh, in our town north of me. Um, but I think residential would be good. And in that residential setting, I mean, it is a locked facility, but that is just um, for the safety of the kids. Like, you know, that and, um, the parents can visit um, the kids, uh, depending on what type of school they do, they actually go to their physical school every day. So it's, and but they do groups, they do social skills groups, that um, kind of thing. Um, there is intensive outpatient therapy, you know, that they could do, but as a, if we're talking about adolescents, um, you know, that also includes the family, right? So um, <laughs> the one good thing, I guess we can talk about that came out of the pandemic is that more agencies, specifically that one that I was speaking of, are doing a lot of Zoom things. So uh, because during the pandemic, they had to do a lot of things through Zoom. 
Um, so that has really increased here, um, kids participating in treatment because they can just do it, like get the email with the link and do it from their computer. Um, as adults, there, um, there aren't really any inpatient residentials like that one that I was speaking of for the adolescents. So, you know, there is um, intensive outpatient therapy where there are therapists that check in. Um, there are groups specific to whatever, like if there's an alcohol, you know, abuse going on along with the depression, there's like, you know, intensive outpatient for that. Um, but there's not really any inpatient residential um, that I know of, so. And one last question, I'll, I'll get you out of here. You mentioned the pandemic and what we saw. Mm -hmm. How do we look at life pre-COVID with depression with now this post-COVID society in depression? Um, that's a really loaded question, Um, You know, pre-COVID, I don't want to say that it was the normal depression. Like, you know, you could go online, Google the depressive symptoms, what is depression, right? Um, and then it's got like this rounded answer for it. Um, here's the symptoms to look for. Um, but, and it was that, it was like people go to therapy, people are doing the residential thing, but now we're still in the pandemic, but we're, you know, it's slowing down. Um, people are way more cautious now. And I can, from personal experience, I, um, had COVID. Um, I was home for four or five days. My oldest son decided, mommy, I've been telling you for three days, you need to go to the hospital. I went to the hospital via ambulance. I spent five days in the hospital. Three of those were in ICU. And I tell you, it really messes with your psyche. When you go from, you know, being outside all the time, being able to do whatever you want to now, all of a sudden you just have to be home. And, you know, depression before, I don't want to say that it was easier to solve and help people through that because there was no restrictions anywhere, right? Like you can go and you can do as you want. And now it's like, okay, do I need a mask when I walk in this place? Is somebody going to judge me because I'm wearing a mask now? Is somebody going to judge me because I'm not? Um, and there could be a lot of guilt and shame in wearing a mask or taking those precautions. Um, in children, for instance, I have um, an 11 year old daughter who was in fourth grade when the pandemic started. Um, and to this day, still wears a mask to school, isn't required to, still wears a mask. Most of the time when we go into a store, washes her hands after school, it's, you know, and I know that she's had some depressive symptoms, you know, and I've been able to help her through that. Uh, we haven't really had to have any intervention with her, but these kids where the pandemic started when they were in kindergarten, preschool, first grade, and now they're coming out of it and they're not understanding why they feel the way they feel, people are blaming it on the pandemic when they could say, well, is that really a depressive symptom? Interesting. So long reaching implications. Right. Even for all of us into the future. That's so. a whole study in and of itself. <laughs> <laughs> you know, pre-COVID depressive symptoms in adolescent and, you know, and adults versus now we're into the pandemic, you're free. So 
awesome. With Dr. Hall, I want to say thank you for taking a few moments out today to uh, to talk about depression and even to give us a better insight into even the the psyche of kids, because a lot of us do have children, you know, that listen to this, and we have friends that are teens, and even us that have adult friends, mm-hmm. that we can really look for some of those signs and really try to be better mental health advocates. So I thank you for for sharing that knowledge and sharing that expertise with us today. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to this short discussion on depression. And once again, if you ever think that you are experiencing a mental health crisis, please dial this number, 866-903-3787. That is the National Mental Health Hotline. It is free. It is confidential. It is available 24-7. So I'd like to thank Dr. Hall for her presentation, for talking to us today. And once again, as we honor Mental Health Awareness Month, if you see these signs, please be an advocate and let's get out there and let's talk about these issues. Let's embrace this issue and let's move our communities forward as we honor all those who suffer from mental health crises out there in this world. And it is our hope that through the help and all the resources that we have, we can reach out and become better mental health advocates in our community.